Hello, good people. This is Chris Abalo's podcast experiment, and I am Chris Abalo. Welcome to an episode which is a big deal for two reasons. Number one, it's episode 10 of the show. Yes, this show has made it into double digits, and it's only taken a few months. However, even more importantly, maybe, is the fact that this Friday, the 150th episode of The Only Podcast That Matters goes live at theonlypodcast.com. When I say goes live, it's not a live show. It'll just, it goes online. How about that? And because of these two events kind of coincide, not that 10 is a big deal. This show is only done every other week, so it's taken a couple of months to get to 10. But The Only Podcast That Matters has been every Friday for what will now be 150 weeks. And it really is a big deal. And because it's an occasion, I did want to spend some time talking about how I got into listening to podcasts and then my progression into podcasting and kind of give you my version of how everything started with the only podcast that matters. Because we haven't really talked about too much on the show. We've touched on it here and there. But since this is my show and I'm going to be the only one talking to you today, you'll get my perspective, which is the general perspective. It's not going to be so much opinion-based, and I'm not going to deviate from the facts, and like these are the facts according to me. No, this is actually how things came about with the show, because it hasn't been spoken about at length, and if anyone's going to do that, it's probably going to be me anyway. Even if we were doing a group show, chances are I'd be doing most of the talking. So there it is. But first, I want to complain. So let's get that out of the way. First of all, if you live in California and you have a vanity license plate, I hate you. Really, I hate driving behind you. Not because of the vanity plate. They're, they tend to be stupid, almost all vanity plates. But I've noticed that they are the worst drivers. It doesn't matter if they're driving a 93 Ford Taurus or a brand new BMW. You all suck at driving. You all drive too slow. You never use your blinker. It's a whole variety of problems. Or you're weaving in and out of lanes. I hate all of you, honestly. I've never driven behind a person in California who has a vanity plate who is a good driver. And by good, I mean respectful. Uses their turn signals, isn't on their damn phone, isn't weaving in and out of traffic. Common courtesy. Let's say driver's etiquette. While there are bad drivers just in general, in California and elsewhere, the vanity plate people seem to have an extra bit of annoyance to them in that they, I mean, look, if they actually had a vanity plate done in the first place, chances are they might be at least a little narcissistic and not concerned about anybody else who's on the road and be completely oblivious to what's going on outside of their car. So I guess I shouldn't be surprised, but I've noticed that they are pretty much the worst drivers. So if you have a California vanity plate, uh, you suck. Another thing I see a lot is um, there are a lot of people, a lot of old people. I don't think it's, I don't want to say it's necessarily the area I live in or the San Fernando Valley as a whole, (laughs) certainly not in the city of Hollywood or or Los Angeles, like downtown or anything like that. But I see a lot of old people in wheelchairs who have, I don't know if they're nurses or attendants or just people who are uh, minders for (laughs) these, these old people who need some kind of assistance, some kind of aid. But I'll see them a lot of times if I'm going to a gas station and I'm paying cash at the window, I'll usually get stuck behind an old person who has an attendant buying them lottery tickets. And the funny part is that these people are so far gone physically, possibly mentally, that they're dropping $20 on Powerball tickets. If they won, chances are that the old coot would probably just die and then they wouldn't get to see any of the money anyway. It's actually kind of sad. And it basically the same thing when I would see people in Atlantic City. There are people with oxygen tanks pumping quarters 
or dollars or whatever into slot machines in Atlantic City, and they're on oxygen. And that just seems like such a waste because if you're already in that condition, you probably need to hang on to every dollar you have. I would think so. Or if you're paying somebody to be your caretaker, you probably shouldn't be throwing away money on the lottery because even if you do win, as I said, it may very well kill you. And I'm not against lottery tickets or playing the lottery or anything like that. I will if the pot gets really high, if it's something like 200 million. Usually if it gets over 200 million, I might buy a lottery ticket or put down two, three bucks. Never anything major. And I don't expect anything from it. I literally look at it as money I'm essentially throwing away, which comes from the advice that I got from a friend of mine right around the time I turned 21, since I'm from New Jersey and Atlantic City was 45 minutes to an hour away. Naturally, everybody wanted to go when they turned 21. Um, And we found our way down there for many things. There was the first IMAX theater that was in the area. So my friends and I went a bunch of times. But anyway, one of my friends suggested to me when I turned 21, he said, when it comes to gambling, if you're going to gamble at all with any money, you need to consider how much money you're willing to lose because you're essentially going to be throwing that money away because the odds are against you in casinos and, and all that. So that was great advice. So I've never been particularly fond of gambling because I don't want to really throw money away. I mean, I've never bet horses or anything like that or bet on sporting events because I'm clueless when it comes to sports. I know there are two Mannings who are quarterbacks, but I don't know what teams they play for. I'm being dead serious. Everybody laughs at me when I say something like that, but I don't know. I believe one of them plays for the Giants because, I mean, football season's pretty much starting soon, or at least preseason stuff is going on now, I believe. So all my Jersey friends are posting on Facebook or Twitter or whatever about uh, the Giants and Go Big Blue and all this other stuff, but I I don't know. I don't pay attention to sports. I've never been sports. But when it comes to gambling in a casino, I've never been a big fan of it. But if you need a caretaker or if you're on oxygen, I think it's a little strange that you're willing to throw money away on playing the lottery when chances are, like I said, the odds are against you. So flushing money down the toilet, especially in your old age and you're probably on a fixed income, I'm not too crazy about that. So uh, end of that rant. It's just something I've noticed, of course, while being out and about. Here's a question, though. Do you remember in old sci-fi films or TV shows, I can't be just me, <laughs> when the, uh, some character would go home or back to their living quarters or their, their, their domicile, and there would be kind of no possessions. There'd be no desk with papers on it or anything like that. There'd be nothing on the fridge. There would just be some furniture, and that's pretty much it. A TV, of course, because... TVs are never going away. <laughs> Even in the 80s, hey, everybody was going to have a TV and a big screen TV, which actually came true because now all the uh, LCD TVs are all big screen TVs, uh, more or less. I'm sure it's easier for people to get like a 55-inch TV now considering the price than it was before LCD, plasma, LED came along. But anyway, there were never any possessions in any of these futuristic depictions in movies and whatnot. And the reason I thought of this is because I was going through my inbox, cleaning it out. I try to clean it out like once a month because crap just accumulates. And part of the reason I was going through my inbox was because I was sorting out bills for the month just to look at, okay, well, what's due just to budget everything. Because being in an apartment again, I was in a furnished place for the first half of my time in California, which had furniture and utilities were paid for and everything else. So I was just paying rent with everything included. Whereas now I have a cable bill and an electric bill and all that other stuff. So I'm kind of still dividing up the month and figuring out what gets paid when, whereas credit cards and student loans that I've been paying for years have always been paid on the same date. So I'm used to that. But some of these newer bills, not so much. But the interesting thing is, 
I have signed up for paperless billing on all of these new utilities, let's say. And that's funny because it really, it's when you opt in and when you set up an online account for any bills, you pretty much, I think more often than not, you would click, yeah, sure, paperless, why not? Less mail I need to worry about and all that. <laughs> and uh, less clutter. So thinking back to all those movies and TV shows and whatnot, I thought about, man, that might be something that they actually got right when it comes to depictions of the future because there's not a cluttered desk in any of these homes and there aren't papers everywhere. Everything's just online. With uh, You can just download everything as like a PDF file or you can just check your accounts online and then print them if you want. But yeah, most of my bills are paperless billing. Even my cell phone and all that, I've had paperless billing for quite a while. And my student loans now, eventually I changed over to paperless billing. So that might be a depiction of the future that actually was accurate back in, say, the 80s or even maybe the 70s. And when you think about it, even as far as possessions go, when you look at kids who are millennials who were born in the year 2000 or beyond that, They've grown up in the era of iTunes and smartphones and tablets and all that stuff. So the idea of going out and buying a CD or a record, to a degree, is probably lost on them as much as they've probably grown up with them because I'm sure their parents have DVDs and CDs and all that other stuff. I can't imagine they just flushed everything in the last couple of years. I'm sure some have. But they're just not going to understand going out and getting anything, buying anything physical. So it's always going to be paperless billing for them when they do have their own bills. And uh, when it comes to the music they own and the movies, I mean, they're going to think it's insane. Anyone who's 10 years old right now is probably not going to understand why I have over 3,000 CDs and something like 1,000 movies. They're just not going to get it. They're not going to understand if someone were to come to my future house where I'll probably have to have a room devoted to my media collection and add records to that too. I certainly have a decent collection of vinyl. They're going to think I'm insane. Why do you have all this stuff? Why are you wasting a room on this? And they're just going to have it all on an iPod and they're not going to understand or on a tablet. They're not going to understand why I have all these discs and why all this stuff is taking up space. But as much as I love something like Netflix, movies on there go on and off and I'd really rather have access to something all the time, especially if I really like it. I have gotten more picky when it comes to the stuff I do buy, especially when it comes to movies because I used to just buy everything. Every Tuesday, I would buy a bunch of new DVDs but that was like 10, 12 years ago when I first got a DVD player. As uh, time has gone on, I realized, okay, if I like the movie, I'm not necessarily going to watch it repeatedly. I have gotten a little bit more picky about it, but it also helps with the value for money when you do get a digital copy besides. So with all this flying back and forth to New Jersey and Los Angeles that I'll be doing uh, in perpetuity as long as I live out here and my family and friends live in New Jersey, it's practical to think that I will have some kind of mobile device, whether it's an iPad or a laptop or netbook or something like that. And then I will actually put movies and all that on there. So I'm not traveling with discs. So it is practical to buy the combo packs and value for money. Hey, why not? But yeah, it's weird to think that there really will be no possessions. Everything will be completely digital at some point. And kids now growing up, and I'm not getting on a soapbox about, you know, like, oh, Grandpa Chris is going to He's got a birthday coming up soon, so he's going to talk about younger generations and all that. No, I'm not putting anything down. I'm just saying it's funny how when I look at these old movies and these old TV shows, it's strange to think, wow, they got that right because, yeah, there aren't any papers or there aren't any. I mean, the era of VHS, someone had the foresight to think, oh, there probably won't be any VHS tapes in the future, except Spaceballs because of the whole VHS library 
in that. And I don't remember what year that takes place in, but yeah, they open up the cabinet to the, with this TV and they have the instant cassettes. So the thought of putting stuff on a disc or just being strictly digital with media uh, hadn't occurred to them circa 1987. We'll let it slide because Spaceballs is a brilliant movie. But yeah, the, the idea that there won't be possessions in the same way and that there won't be papers laying about. It's pretty funny that that's something that they actually got right. And speaking of digital, this is an unintentional segue into this intangible media that we're doing, we're involved in right now. Well, you're listening to it. I'm actually recording it. But yeah, podcasts, completely digital. There are no physical versions of them. It would be interesting, though, if there was something like this, if there was the capability to do it without it being digital. I mean, that'd be kind of pointless because if everybody could do it, you would think they can exchange with each other. But imagine if podcasts were like magazines and you got like a subscription where every week you got a, a CD with an episode on it, or maybe every month you got a set of a couple of CDs. Like It was like a time life thing where you could subscribe to shows and you would get these shows to listen to. In the case of like this, you get two shows a month or the only podcast that matters four or five a month. So I do think that would be kind of interesting, but it's even easier because you can just subscribe. Here comes the plugging. You can subscribe to this show and the only podcast that matters on iTunes. The only podcast that matters is also available on Stitcher Radio, Blackberry Podcasts, Beyond Pod, all sorts of apps. And of course, the website, the home, theonlypodcast.com. And this show, if you found it somewhere else, is on chrisabalo.com. And we'll be on other platforms soon enough. So let's get into podcasting. Let me give you a what I would consider to be brief <laughs> explanation and a backstory as far as how I came to find out about podcasts and kind of how I got into listening to them and where all this doing podcasting thing uh, came about. Let's climb into the DeLorean in your mind and take a trip all the way back to the year 2006. Yes, March of 2006, the first time I moved from New Jersey to Los Angeles, and to briefly touch on it, although it does play a role in the story, I came out here to attend Musicians Institute for their Guitar Institute of Technology program to get that certification. The plan was to do that for a year and get the certificate, and it was kind of open-ended beyond that because I didn't know what the experience was going to bring me. And my first apartment was actually on Hollywood Boulevard, the building that's on the corner of Hollywood Boulevard and Fuller. So it's about a half a mile up from the school. So between the combination of walking to school, because I left my car in New Jersey, figuring, all right, well, I'm going to live close to school anyway. I knew I was going to have to learn certain songs. So I thought, well, it would be convenient. There, were, there was no thought of loading music onto a phone. That was still a year away when the iPhone came out, I believe, in spring of 2007, the first one. So I thought, well, I should, I'm going to have to learn songs and I'm going to have a walk anyway. So why don't I load, why don't I get an iPod so I can load music uh, for recreational purposes, just to listen to on the walk back and forth to school and load the stuff I needed to learn onto the iPod for convenience. So I can listen to it during the day. I can play against something, kind of have my headphones hanging on one ear and leave the other ear open to hear my guitar playing. And eventually it came in handy after a few months in California when I put on weight and started going to the gym. It was nice to have a uh, workout playlist to keep me moving and help me drop some of that weight. Anyway, since I was basically not living and breathing music, but music was such a major part of my week, it was five days a week I was in class to start with, there were times when I wanted to get away from listening to music because I'm just playing it all day and then I was getting very analytical about it, which you have to when you have to learn chords and scales and all the things for 
basically 18 credits worth of classes. Uh, you're just involved with music all day long. I thought, I really want to break up the monotony. I need something else to listen to. Now, the first time I think... Now that I had iTunes on my computer, I think the first time I was aware of podcasts, the first one I very well may have downloaded was a Cars video podcast to promote the Cars Pixar movie, which came out in uh, actually that summer. They had uh, videos leading up to it. These like two, three minute videos promoting different uh, or showing different aspects of what went into making the movie. And that was the first time I kind of got, I was aware of podcasting and I was able to download all the episodes, all these short videos through iTunes. And beyond that, the next one I became aware of as far as being a regular podcast was through uh, Indie 1031, the dearly missed independent FM station, which I believe packed it in around 2009. It's been a couple of years, unfortunately, since they went under. But a big favorite on that show was Jonesy's Jukebox, which was, I believe, noon to two, Monday to Friday, hosted by Steve Jones from the Sex Pistols. And uh, he would just kind of play whatever he wanted, and he would have guests come in. Celebrity guests would uh, come in and chat and comment on the songs. And he'd, he'd bring in records from home and all that, from what I understood. So they would actually uh, podcast episodes of his shows and the interviews with, of course, just segments of the songs, not full songs because of creative licensing and all that other stuff. But still, you essentially got to hear the show. So that was nice to kind of, like I said, break up the monotony of hearing music all the time, especially when you're playing it. I thought, ah, this is cool. So I was able to listen to that. And probably the next podcast was another video series promoting the second season of Extras, the Ricky Gervais show that was debuting on HBO in early 2007, which included a bunch of videos with behind-the-scenes footage and all that. And actually, the first episode was downloadable through iTunes, so you could watch the first episode of Season 2 of Extras. Now, at this point, I wasn't aware that Ricky Gervais, around that time, maybe a year or so earlier, had started doing podcasts of his own with Stephen Merchant and Carl Pilkington, and then releasing them as groups, doing like half-hour episodes, putting them together in a group of, say, five, and releasing them every couple of months or so. That pretty much came later. So I thought at least at that stage, that podcasts were primarily for promotional purposes. In the case of episodes from a, a radio show or behind-the-scenes footage from a movie or a TV show, that was my awareness when it came to podcasts, at least at the time. The first time I encountered any original programming, something that was made, a show that was made specifically as a podcast, and that was a weekly show, was when Kevin Smith launched Smodcast, which I found... Right around the time its seventh episode had debuted, because normally when I start anything new, I'll start from the beginning, and then I will go through till whatever point uh, I discovered it, or just kind of get up to date first. But in the case of that show, I discovered the seventh episode and just dove right in and listened to the seventh episode, then went back and listened to the first six. And that was the first time it entered into my mind that, oh, there can be just a show that's a conversation that's certainly funny. I mean, he, he and Scott Moser were hilarious. And I was a big fan of that show, particularly the first 60 episodes or so. I listened to it all the time and about the first 12, because at that point I'd moved to Burbank right around the time I discovered the show. So I was taking the bus to Hollywood to go to MI, which is only about 20 minutes. But so it was pretty much equivalent to the time it took me to walk from my apartment in Hollywood to school. But then when I took a leave of absence from school and then began working, I had to take two buses, which would normally take about 45 minutes. 
one way between the two buses. It was about a 45 minute commute to work. So I listened to the first maybe 12 episodes of that show repeatedly. And I just really dug it as a format. I mean, of course I was a fan of Kevin Smith's movies and enjoyed hearing about just different things from maybe what was going on while they were making the movie or various adventures in uh, Hollywood. I mean, he was going to be in uh, Live Free or Die Hard because it came out that summer. So he would talk about that or he would talk about things that were going on when they made Dogma and Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back and all that. So it was interesting to hear that side of it, but the conversations were funny. So that was really the first show I heard where it was content designed to be a podcast. And I just really, really got into it. And from there, my podcast listening grew just gradually and more web-based stuff started to make its way into my awareness. Something like Kevin Pollack's chat show, which would launch, I believe in 2009-ish, somewhere around that. And there were a few guitar-based podcasts. There's one from Boss, actually, that I listened to quite a bit at the time. Uh, Boss makes guitar pedals, guitar effects pedals, and a few that actually have guitar lessons. So there's all sorts of stuff I was listening to. And to be honest, I probably listened to more podcasts once or twice and stop listening to them than there than podcasts I listen to on a regular basis now. There are tons I just listen to an episode or two and then they just weren't my thing and I kind of went from there. And as of now I have about 80 some odd podcasts in my iTunes library since I've continued with the iPod thing and subscribed to all my podcasts through iTunes. Now a lot of those are one-off episodes, but many of them are subscriptions as well and shows I listen to weekly. So let me just really quickly, before I get to the only podcast that matters business, let me just tell you what I listen to on a regular basis. And that'll pretty much be considered the recommendation for this episode. Um, I'm a big fan, obviously, the long-form interview. I've done some of those myself so far, and there will be more on the show in the future. So the, the big ones for those have been, of course, WTF with Mark Marin, The Nerdist with Chris Hardwick, and Girl on Guy with Aisha Tyler. Penn Sunday School starring Penn Jillette is another weekly show that I listen to all the time. Uh, the interview-based ones I listen to depending who the guest is. I don't subscribe to them. I will just download the episodes where I'm interested in the, the interviewee. But uh, I do listen to Penn Sunday School every week. And Adam Carolla show, of course, the, I would say the, the king of continuous podcasting. And uh, it's no wonder he has a download record because you know what? He, he does shows five days a week every week. So he's going to be head and shoulders above everybody for a good long time. And I'm happy with it because I love a show. Adam Kroll is great, but chances are you already know that. Uh, similarly, as far as banter like shows, I was a big fan of the Chris Moyle show, which was the breakfast show on BBC radio one. And they used to podcast once a week, kind of the best of the week. And you can still find them on iTunes. There are a bunch of episodes, maybe the last 20 or so, but sadly that show went off the air last September because they had a new host of The Breakfast Show, come in. But I really dug that show because it was kind of like, it was the zoo radio style that I grew up listening to on just radio stations where the whole team of people and everybody's kind of bouncing off each other. And that, to a certain degree, informed the style that became adopted by the only podcast that matters. And I think that podcast was running for something like seven years, maybe eight years. They were putting out best of episodes. You can still find a few, like I said, on iTunes. And then, of course, there's a bunch of fan sites that have every episode, which you can stream and possibly even download. So I do recommend that as one of the shows that's no longer around. And another one that has some banter going on is uh, the Jillian Michaels show, which is, of course, Jillian Michaels and her producer, 
who's Canadian, so the jokes kind of write themselves. And the engineer, Jake, they pretty much are always bouncing off each other or commenting on what's going on. So it, it is really funny. And they take calls and all that, and it's, it's kind of a segmented show that's a weekly show, but I dig it a lot. It's just a lot of fun, and it kind of reminds me of the, the nonsense we do. Even though it's not the same thing, it's still it's fun when just a lot of people are joking, uh, when the segments are funny, of course, and just kind of ribbing each other. I, I enjoy the hell out of that. And since I've gotten into voiceover, I will definitely recommend two podcasts you should check out. The first one is Talkin' Tunes with Rob Paulson, who is a voice actor who has been going on for ages. He was Raphael in the original Ninja Turtle cartoon and the current one, he's Donatello. He's basically done voices in actually every cartoon for the last 20 plus years. Uh, He's been around for ages, so he'll have a lot of voice actors on his show and they'll do the long form interview thing. And Voice Acting Mastery, which is hosted by Crispin Freeman, who is also a voice actor. And it's kind of an advice-based podcast, which is, I believe, every other week, just like this show. And sometimes he will have interviews with other voice actors and some of his students. So it's really fascinating, especially if you're interested in voiceover, which I obviously am because I'm still very much on the ground floor of it. But I do dig the show because there's a lot of very practical stuff that goes into, hey, if you're going to put your mouth up to a mic and try and do something with it. Here are some things you need to know. So there we go. Uh, And of course, friends of this show and the only podcast that matters, The Faction Reaction, starring Jeff and two of his friends, Phil and Russ. Uh, Jeff has been on The Only Podcast That Matters twice, I believe, at this point, and will be on future shows. But they're big sports fans, so a lot of the episodes have to do with sports, which... While I don't follow sports, I do think the guys are really funny, so I do enjoy that part of it. And they kind of have funny segments that they have, like things that they talk about in every show, like Douche of the Week and uh, Jam of the Week, which I enjoy because it's it's different from, obviously, what we do, but it, it's still a lot of fun. Those dudes are really, really funny. And Where's the Remote podcast with Ryan Gabriel, which he was on the second episode, the first ever guest on this show, and he and his friends talk about TV. Basically every week, a lot of stuff about TV uh, because he's just a giant TV fan. So he and his friends all talk about what's going on very much in real time. There might be some spoilers here and there as far as what they end up talking about, but that's okay. It's very much a a real-time show in that they'll talk about what's going on, say, during the season of Walking Dead or right now what's going on with uh, this last season of Breaking Bad and everything like that, so... If you watch a lot of TV, chances are you'll get into that as well. So that's about it for recommendations as far as shows that I listen to on a regular basis. All right, strap in. It's time to hear the true story of how the only podcast that matters came to be. Not that there are any false stories out there. It might be fun to make one up, but uh, we we only touched on it in the first episode of the show uh, called First Cast. So feel free to go back to theonlypodcast.com or iTunes, and I think Beyond Pod might have it. But you can always go to theonlypodcast.com to listen to the first episode, First Cast, where we spent the first couple of minutes kind of explaining how it is the show came to be. But uh, we didn't really talk too much at any point about how everything led up to it. So here's that story. So in June of 2008, I came back to New Jersey following my graduation from Musicians Institute. And actually the day after I got back, I met up with uh, Andrew... Well, it was the day of, technically. I got in at like 4 a.m. on a Wednesday. I believe it was Wednesday or was it Tuesday? Well, anyway, that uh, that night, 
I met up with uh, Veronica and Andrew, and we went and saw the first Iron Man. And I think we probably went to dinner, too. So pretty much got together with them right away. And we've been hanging out quite a bit prior to when I, I took off and moved out here to California in 2006 and in 2005 as well. We'd spent a, a good deal of time together. And at some point, it must have been Andrew who suggested we get together on a weekly basis and cook dinner together, just as a means of getting together on a regular basis. And because I was working nights at the store I was working, and I usually worked Thursday nights, Veronica, being a nurse, worked a couple of nights a week. So the idea was we can get together. We don't need to go out to dinner every week, um, even though we did that too. But the idea was let's get together and let's cook and uh, just kind of catch up with each other. And uh, hang out. And it was a great time. We started doing that every Wednesday at uh, Andrew's parents' house. Mind you, we were all living at home at the time. And it was a lot of fun because one week the guys would cook, which would more often than not be Andrew, Ryan, and myself. And then Veronica and our girlfriends at the time, Ryan's and uh, my girlfriend at the time, would uh, cook the other week. So that was fun because it would also keep things fresh and we would actually kind of have to come in with some idea of what we were doing every week. And uh, that was a lot of fun. And then we just kind of go downstairs where they had basically Andrew's parents had something of a, a furnished basement. And uh, we could just eat down there and uh, chat and just shoot the breeze, which frankly was like the highlight of the week for, I mean, I can only speak for myself and uh, the girl I was seeing at the time, but we loved it. Every week we were looking forward to Wednesday night, going to the house and just having a good time. And uh, it didn't take long until... I had mentioned Andrew about some of the podcasts I had been listening to and said that I'd kind of had the idea that it might be something fun to do. And he had had similar thoughts, but we didn't really know what we wanted to do. We were uh, talking music mostly at the time. So we thought maybe we'll do a music podcast at some point. And since our Wednesday night dinner hangouts were so funny, the cooking hangs <laughs> were, were always so funny and the conversations would take such kind of funny turns and we would just laugh our asses off for a couple hours one night a week. We kind of thought, yeah, maybe we should do this. And uh, he and I had spoken to Ryan at some point and said, are you interested in doing essentially a music show? And Ryan was into it. And uh, just the whole thought of having our own show appealed to all of us. But we thought we should probably go for four. I don't remember whose suggestion it was. And it really doesn't matter. But I had suggested Dan, who you probably know from various episodes of The Only Podcast That Matters. And I said, uh, also because we have different tastes in music in as much as I'm a rock fan, Dan is primarily a punk and, uh, let's say, early rock and roll fan and blues. Andrew is, well, claims to be uh, mostly a metalhead. And Ryan, not so much now, but at the time, you can maybe classify his taste in music as being in the emo arena. So we thought that would be an interesting balance and would provide some interesting kind of conversation about music. And uh, I'd spoken to Dan about it, and he really wasn't into the idea Mainly because he said, one, who's going to listen to us? Like, who's going to bother tuning in to listen to the show in the first place? But also, who's going to tune in to listen to us talk about music? He just didn't think there would be an audience for it. And I can understand that. I mean, we were going to be doing something that we didn't... I mean, we, none of us had an existing audience. We didn't have listeners. None of us had done radio or stand-up or anything like that. So it's not as if we had an audience going into this other than friends and family who might be interested in listening to our ramblings. So Dan was essentially out. So we set about the task of looking for a fourth person who would be interested in uh, doing this. Now, this is over a longer period of time. Since I came back in summer of 2008, 
we talked about it with no action for a long time, and uh, we finally bought recording gear in early April. It was late March, early April of 2010, and said, okay, now we're going to do it. We've been talking about it long enough. Let's actually do this thing. And the equipment at the time was going to serve a dual purpose because we thought we can have recording equipment for the podcast and recording equipment for myself and Andrew and Dan to use because we were playing in a band together at the time. And uh, getting together, at this point, Andrew and Veronica had gotten married and were living in their own apartment. So we were now pretty much getting together or alternating between sometimes we were at Ryan's parents' house, other times we would be at Andrew and Veronica's apartment. Mostly at the apartment, though. And that was cool because we kind of had a, a hub so we thought, okay, the recording gear will stay here. Andrew and Dan and I were getting together every Monday anyway to just jam. And Wednesdays were still about getting together. And uh, anyway, we're looking for a fourth. And at that point, I had started working with Jack. Actually, it was a few months before, maybe six months or so before that, uh, I'd started working with Jack. And I'd known Jack because we were working in the same store together, uh, albeit in different departments. But we frankly talked about music and movies quite a lot because he had seen me come in on days off. And as he's referenced before, he'd seen me come in with like a Cheap Trick or Def Leppard t-shirt or something. And we kind of clicked as far as music went anyway. And uh, also I knew his some of his favorite movies were Back to the Future and the Indiana Jones movies and a bunch of 80s stuff. So I thought, oh, I, I click with Jack. And we worked together anyway. So I thought, all right, this would actually be kind of cool. And um Actually, thinking about it, I had worked with Jack at that point. We were working in the same department for almost a year, and Ryan had started working in the same store about six months prior to starting the show, and or I should say buying the equipment. So Ryan and Jack and I had a rapport as far as kind of as a group because we had all been together at some combination and socialized together with, you know, going out after work and all that with our coworkers. So we had liked Jack, and um, Andrew and Veronica hadn't actually met Jack until it was two months before in February. We had gone to see uh, the Tim Burton, Johnny Depp, Alice in Wonderland movie together. So they'd met Jack, but they obviously didn't know him as well as we did. And at some point in, it was that spring, I had mentioned to Jack about, listen, the three of us want to start doing this show. We're looking for a fourth person. Obviously, you and Ryan and I get along. You've met Andrew. What do you think about doing this? And Jack was reluctant only because he thought the show was live and he was nervous as far as what if he said something he wasn't crazy about and, or whatever it was. You know, he was just kind of nervous about doing what was essentially a live show. And it was, no, no, it's going to be pre-recorded radio, essentially. And we're just going to put a show up every Friday, do an hour a week, and uh, go from there. And uh, Jack, I don't remember at what point he started showing up on Wednesdays and kind of joining in on the, the action, as it were. But uh, he was in. Uh, kind of reluctantly. And uh, so Jack DeFranco owes me his podcasting career because I'm the one who suggested he join our show. I'm kidding, kind of. So now we had the four who were going to be in the show. And uh, we had a home base in as much as we had Andrew and Veronica's apartment. And we had our recording equipment. Didn't actually get started until the end of June. Actually, the first two episodes of The Only Podcast That Matters were recorded on June 30th. 2010, we'd done them both in the same night because our initial plan was, well, if we're doing an hour, an hour-long show, we hang out usually for more than three hours anyway. Why don't we just do two shows every Wednesday? And uh, that way, we can kind of stay ahead of the game. And all the while, we were looking into how to set up a website because none of us had ever done that before. Uh, we had set up blogs. But, oh, that's one item I forgot. Actually, going back to the second half of 2008, the first 
collaboration that Ryan, Andrew, and I were going to be working on together was uh, we were going to do a blog where the three of us, I don't remember if we were going to, I don't think we were going to be writing once a week. I think it was one of us would write once a week and we would rotate. That was kind of the first idea we had about collaborating on some web-based content. I think Andrew had set it up and we never did anything. I think he had uh, maybe posted one or two items on there. But for whatever reason, it never got off the ground. But uh, just as well because we ended up doing blogs on theonlypodcast.com. But uh, yeah, so we were learning kind of how to set up a website. And we were trying to figure out how to do it the way we wanted to do it. And what it took to get the show on iTunes. Because in the way that, especially a couple of years ago, iTunes was kind of like the record label to be on. It was also the central hub for podcasting. I mean, at least we weren't aware of apps like Stitcher or Beyond Pod, if they existed at the time. I'm honestly not sure. We were aware of BlackBerry Podcasts because Andrew and I had Blackberries. I don't know if Ryan had had one yet. I think he got one in uh, that year. But uh, we were aware of BlackBerry Podcasts aside from iTunes. But iTunes, with everything being Apple-centric, <laughs> at least in uh, the world around us, everybody had iPhones and, and all that. We figured, all right, well, that's the place the show needs to go, aside from having our own website. And uh, we decided we wanted our own .com. And uh, it was also just a matter of uh, figuring out what the hell we were going to call the show. So I don't remember exactly when it was um, that we came up with the name. I'm actually the one who came up with the name, The Only Podcast That Matters. Andrew had suggested The Four Corners as the name of the show. Uh, His thought was The Four Corners of Comedy. And I thought, well, that kind of doesn't make sense only because we're not comedians. We're just like anybody else, just four guys getting together and having real conversations about whatever the topic happens to be that week, uh, if there is one or if it's just kind of like random conversation. So I wasn't really crazy about that name. And I said, well, let's kind of think about it and figure out what we want to call it. So one night, the name just occurred to me. Oh, the only podcast that matters. And I had seen Ryan at work the next morning. We were both working the morning after I thought of the name. So I went back to his department and uh, he was setting up some display. And I said, you know, we've been going crazy trying to come up with a name that we think can express it, a phrase that can kind of sum up what the show is and who we are and all of that. I said, so let's just put it out there. Let's call the show the only podcast that matters. And his eyes got as wide (laughs) as silver dollars or, okay, maybe not, let's say uh, pancakes, silver dollar pancakes. And he just said, oh, I am behind that 150,000%. <laughs> it's literally how he said it. And uh, he was on board because he loved the obnoxious angle that the title had. And uh, I'm a big fan of things being bold. So I thought, oh, this will be good. And so I mentioned it to Andrew later that day. He laughed. He thought it was funny. And uh, that was it. And I don't remember if uh, Jack was involved at the point when the name was set up. But uh, whatever. He just kind of had to deal with it. So there we go. Uh, the show had its name. And that was it. So uh, anyway, getting back to uh, summer 2010, yes, June 30th, we recorded uh, the first two episodes. And then we got together every Wednesday after that for several weeks. And we were doing two a night, two episodes, that is. And at some point, it dropped down to one a night. And uh, then it wasn't every Wednesday anymore, just due to scheduling and all that. Actually, Ryan ended up, well, Ryan and I left (laughs) that particular store within about two months of each other. Uh, I had left actually two days after we recorded the first two episodes of the show, and then Ryan left uh, in, I think, September. And because of his new schedule at uh, his new job, he wasn't always available on Wednesday nights, so sometimes we were getting together other nights during the week and recording, but 
we still didn't have a website set up yet, and uh, the only podcast that matters seemed like a mouthful, or uh, let's say a, a handful maybe to type. So it eventually got abbreviated to the only com. That's what we registered. We built a site through WordPress and registered through GoDaddy. <laughs> this is all the stuff you probably don't care about, but this is how everything went down. And the site went officially live. It was in maintenance mode until uh, it went live on 10-10-10. Yes, that's right. October 10th, 2010, which we, that, that wasn't a conscious thing. We weren't making some statement like, yeah, this show's a 10 or anything like that. We just wanted to kick it off on a Monday and that's how it laid out. So, uh, and my birthday is October 7th. So that was kind of a big weekend because I was 29. It was my last birthday, uh, the last birthday of my 20s. And now we had uh, this website and this show. So that Monday, we just put up episodes one and two because we figured, well, we're only posting one show a week and we have all these shows. We'd had at least a dozen shows banked at that point because we'd been recording for three months, give or take uh, the odd week here and there. But we seriously had like 12 shows at the point when we launched the website and launched the show and uh, put the show on iTunes and all that. So we put up two shows, October 10th, and then that Friday we put up one more show, and that was episode three, which is cool because then October essentially became the beginning of the new year. So when we go through our years as a show, you know, like this September will be the end of year three, October, the first Friday in October will essentially kick off year four. And it's kind of cool to do it that way. It's almost like a a mutated version of like a TV season. Except uh, we have shows every week. And we don't go on hiatus or anything like that, like uh, your favorite sitcoms or favorite one-hour dramas do. So that's, uh, that's how everything came together, uh, in as much as everything that led up to the show itself. And uh, at the point when specifically he who is known as Metal Jimmy and, of course, Corey got involved, it must have been interesting for the two of them to do the show. And we've talked about it before because we'd been recording shows for a few weeks at the point we had asked them to sit in as, uh, in the case of both of them, they were the fifth contributors. They weren't sitting in for anybody. Uh, so they ended up being kind of the fifth voice and they hadn't heard the show, even though they'd hung out with us, they didn't realize you kind of have to fight for your space or talk over somebody. Or in the case of shows that they were in where they were the fifth person, they would actually have to get the mic from somebody to say what they wanted to say. So they were at a disadvantage going in. Whereas at that point, the four of us were, pretty much a well-oiled machine and we knew how things went and we had our our way of talking to each other which is how we just talk to each other anyway so it wasn't something and it isn't something that's unique to the show as much as we kind of emphasize our individual characters and as much as I'm obnoxious and Andrew's kind of angry and Ryan's uh I don't know what you would classify Ryan as and Jack's the diplomat then uh we we kind of play that up but that's not that's just an exaggeration of uh, our actual let's say uh common characteristics or the ones that come to the surface the most when we're doing the show. And uh, yeah, Veronica was part of the show from the start as well. Andrew's wife, she was moving freely throughout the apartment while we were recording the the first show, not the second one. And uh, was (laughs) kind of called out to her at one point when we were talking about the notebook in the first episode. So uh, she was there from the beginning too. And then the fifth episode essentially sat in for Andrew who didn't want to be a part of it since uh, we were calling it Crybaby Cast where we talked about TV shows, movies, or whatever that uh, made us cry, and Andrew doesn't cry at anything. So we thought, Veronica, would you like to do it because you're a woman and you like chick flicks and all this other stuff? Would you be interested? And she said yes. So she said it, even though Andrew did jump on Mike at one point during that show. And then uh, we did Wife Cast later, 
which um, at that point it kind of worked out because Veronica had already been in, well, she'd been in the first episode, kind of. She had sat in on the fifth episode and then the seventh episode, we actually had Andrew leave completely because we wanted to talk to her about him and all this other stuff relating to their relationship and marriage because we kind of dug right into that in the first episode of the only podcast anyway. And it was kind of a nice tribute to their first wedding anniversary as well. So we thought, yeah, why the hell not? Wife cast. Oh, and by the way, the whole title theme as far as noun cast or whatever it is, ending every show title with cast, that was something I don't remember. I think I came up with that. I'm not saying that as like an ego thing. I really think I, I'm the one who just said like, let's call it, you know, the episode first cast rather than just a regular title, like how I name this show certain things, except this episode is obviously called podcast, uh-huh, because I'm talking about uh, the only podcast in matters and celebrating 150 episodes, as if you haven't heard that enough already in this almost hour. But uh, after the first year, I said, Do, should we stick with this or should we just start titling the shows based on whatever we talked about or maybe name them after a funny phrase that somebody said during the show or, or whatever it is? And uh, it was decided that we should just stick with the pattern. So up to uh, at least 150 weeks, 150 episodes, uh, all the titles end in cast. So there you go. That's a theme that has uh, stuck around, which is very cool. And uh, actually, the way the blog thing got started, because that's kind of a really quick explanation, because Andrew was essentially doing the webmaster duties and handling all the, all the stuff behind the curtain, as it were, and I was editing the episodes Ryan felt like he he should do something, like he didn't have anything to do and he wanted to contribute in some way. So he started writing blogs on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Sometimes they were short. Uh, in fact, prior to when we started getting involved in uh, and actually registering for Twitter, uh, some of his blogs could have frankly just been tweets. But uh, he was posting twice a week. At one point, I think Andrew was the next one to jump in and post a blog once a week. And then me, and I think Jack was the last one. I'd have to look. I don't remember offhand. But eventually, by the end of 2010, we had all started posting blogs, and we kind of structured it, okay, Monday, to, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, we'll post blogs, and then Friday's the show, and Andrew post, post a blog on Saturday. So we had six days worth of content every week, which uh, was pretty cool. And as a result of so much accumulating between the show and the blogs we were writing with having... Well, with Ryan posting two blogs a week, the rest of us doing one, plus a podcast, we had to restructure the website so everything was accessible because the original format just had the episode featured, and then you could access the other ones. I mean, for the first three months, it's fine. There's 12 episodes, so you can find them all very easily. But at the point when you get to 30 episodes, you need to kind of look at, change the way that things look and make uh, the shows and all the blogs and all that more accessible. So the site has evolved to uh, the well, the current version, which has been that way for about a year and a half, just because the sheer volume of stuff we have, we figured, okay, we need to feature this in a, a more kind of eye-catching way, but also a way that's accessible for anybody who comes to the website, especially anybody who comes right out of the gate, who just shows up and is like, what is this? And then uh, they can hopefully find everything very easily with all these drop-down menus and <laughs> each type of post has its own photo and all that fancy stuff. So the posting of the shows themselves and then the blogs eventually gave way to in, I think it was about April of 2011, all of a sudden, and I didn't even know it was happening, we talked about doing sketch videos, and uh, at one point, we had a YouTube channel, and I was kind of made aware of it after there were already, I think, three, maybe four videos up there. Andrew and Ryan had done a two-part video where they essentially 
made a, a recipe made on the Epic Mealtime show, except they did it in a in a much more drawn out fashion in that it was, I think between them, there were 25 minutes. I don't think it was edited at all. Uh, I, I still haven't watched those two videos in their entirety. I started watching the first one. I thought, oh, I could just watch the Epic Mealtime one and be done in four minutes. I don't need to sit through 25 minutes of this. And then there was uh, the cat gun video and the public service announcement where Jack and Ryan are uh, warning people to stop taking things from Liam Neeson. So yeah, I wasn't involved in the videos at all, actually, for the first few months and uh, even those, like after they, we'd done those, I think they kind of sat because they had shot The Rapture, uh, which by the way, if you haven't seen any of these videos, go to youtube.com slash the only podcast and you'll find them. But uh, yeah, a bunch of stuff had been shot, not really edited. And I had kind of stepped in to do, well, I'd volunteered to edit the video because I'd become adept at the uh, audio editing side of things. And uh, so I edited The Rapture and then we did a little Thanksgiving video and then I just, I was so excited by that and so inspired that uh, I wrote and directed the uh, Arresty Married Gentleman Christmas movie from 2011, which was a lot of fun. And it was also kind of an ensemble piece in as much as Jimmy and Corey were in it and the four of us were playing exaggerated versions of ourselves. And I thought that would be fun to have the four of us kind of go on a little adventure and get in trouble somewhere. So that was a good time. And that's where the videos came from. And uh, that's pretty much it. The show's still going, of course. I mean, 150 episodes. It's crazy to think about. I know I said it before, but it really is just to think, wow, we've been doing this for almost three years. We're going to be going into our fourth year very soon. It's it's nuts. It's great, though. It's cool to look at it and just think, man, because I remember when I was posting episode, I think the first outtake show was, I think, episode 30. And I remember thinking, wow, 30 episodes. And then after the first year posting, like, wow, we've been doing this a year already. We've got 53 episodes, and over time, once a week, hey, they just accumulate, and uh, 150 episodes, it's crazy, and even 10 episodes of this every other week, it's its weird to think of, as much as this has taken longer, of course, because the show isn't as frequent as uh, the only podcast is, but I love it, I love doing it, I still listen to, as I mentioned earlier, ton of podcasts, and uh, go check all of those out, and um, hey, the only podcast that matters is going to continue on as long as we want to do it, as long as everybody wants to do it. Uh, it is a bummer that I'm the idiot who had to pick up and move 3,000 miles away from everyone else so I'm not in the show as frequently. And uh, that part does suck. <laughs> and uh, I'm looking forward to going back there and doing more shows with the guys, hopefully soon, but at minimum for uh, the holidays and for uh, the new year, I will be back in New Jersey and doing some more shows. But you guys won't notice because there's still several episodes that I'm in that are going to be posted over the next uh, couple weeks, months. And I miss those guys. I'm not shy about saying it. I absolutely do miss getting together with them on a regular basis. And especially the four of us doing the show. It's as much as I, I love having the guests. I've loved having Jimmy and Corey and Veronica, Natalie, Dan, Jeff. I've loved having the, the guests that we've had sit in as uh, the either the fourth or fifth in some cases, or sometimes third even, if only uh, one or two of us happens to be available. I love having everybody else on the show, and I love having a uh, something of a repertory company involved with the show. Like we have essentially what's a, a cast, as in a, a group of players. But for me, the the magic combination is still the four of us, myself, Andrew, Ryan, and Jack. I always get the biggest charge out of listening to the episodes that we do together. And even while we're doing them, 
we just have so much fun. And uh, it, it was tough, I have to say, to turn around and come back out here to California in February when I moved back out here after two months of being at home and doing shows with the guys. It was tough to to have to leave because we'd had so much fun getting together and just doing a bunch of shows and uh, making a point of the four of us getting together and doing a lot. I miss those guys, like I said before, and I do wish we could be doing the show all the time, but that's not the way of it right now. And that's okay. The show must go on, as they say. So the show is happening uh, plenty without me, but uh, I'm not going anywhere, folks. I will still be in the only podcast that matters, and you've got me here on Cape. So there we go. That's it. I think that pretty much says it all. So please, I cannot emphasize it enough, go to theonlypodcast.com, check out the wealth of content that's there. The show itself, the blogs, uh, links to all the videos. Of course, there's youtube.com slash the only podcast where you can find all of our videos. Soundcloud.com slash the only podcast. Uh, if you may not want to stomach full episodes of the show, then uh, there's that. You can go and check out some clips, some of our favorite clips from the shows. And uh, there will be more stuff posted on there as well. And uh, hey, at the end of September, we've uh, talked about it. I don't know that we've addressed it on uh, the only podcast that matters. But at the end of September, there will be a Best of Year 3 compilation. We got such a great response from the 100 Weeks of Insanity clip show that we put together after our 100th episode that we thought, you know what, now that we have so many episodes, it's probably a good idea if not as a, uh, not as a, a pass, <laughs> so we, we take a week off, just as a bonus episode, putting together our favorite bits at the end of the year and doing like maybe a 90 minute show or so of just all clips of our, some of our favorite stuff from the past year. So there will be another clip show coming at the end of year three, which geez, isn't that far is mere weeks away. So please check out the show. Please also tell a friend about this show because the show is small and the audience so far is a uh, small, but mighty and will grow. And uh, I will have a bunch of guests coming up. Sooner rather than later, you'll see. I'm arranging things with people to uh, come over and just shoot the breeze for an hour. So keep tuning in. Subscribe to this show on iTunes. Give the show five stars. Do the same for the only podcast that matters, uh, which is also available on Stitcher Radio, Beyond Pod, BlackBerry Podcast, and a host of other apps. This show is still only available on iTunes, but soon enough, it will be available on various other platforms. So that's it. Thank you all very much for listening. Until next time, this is Chris Abalo, and this was yet another experiment. (laughs) 